Craig Muni won three Stanley Cups for the Edmonton Oilers. You live in Buffalo now. What's it like to come home to the City of Champions? Well, all you have to do is take a look around to tonight at the game at City Hall. It was like uh, winning the Stanley Cup all over again, coming back to Edmonton again. Craig, the, the defense you were on, there, I mean, there are some pretty big names. Obviously, Paul Coffey was a big part of the defense. But with all the firepower up front, you guys didn't get much credit for what you did for this team. What was that like, and what was it like to play with all these superstars? Well, they made the game very easy, that's for sure. Our main job was to get the puck up to them. But come every playoffs, uh, the defense as a core, we took that as a challenge to uh, outduel the other team's defense and show that we were capable of uh, helping out as much as we could. And what was it like to carry the cup around this rink in front of these people? As exciting as it was, I think the only thing that popped to my mind first was don't trip and don't drop the Stanley Cup in front of national television. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Muni. Well, for all the uh, great talent that uh, has been on the Edmonton Oilers, there, I know they're not booing. Uh, they are looing. Uh, when, what was it like for you when you kind of first heard the fans do that when you arrived in Edmonton? It was pretty remarkable. It was amazing, you know, and, and we've already heard guys talk about it. People, this is what it's all about right here, you know, coming to the Oilers and, you know, what they had accomplished, what they'd done, stepping in that dressing room. I mean, um, they were the greatest franchise around, and everybody wanted to play for them. And these fans here, they're loud, they're passionate, and when they cheer your name, it's the best feeling in the world. Do you think it's something where the, the fans and the stands can really relate to the tough guys? Because in this city, the tough guys, they're like gold, right? As you can tell by the reception for you. Hey, blue collar, right? Listen, you know what? That's, uh, yeah. They've always loved it. They have, you know what? Uh, you look through the years and, and, and the players that played that way, played hard, played tough. I mean, that's what people love to see. But they also love their skill. And they, they had the greatest in the world that played here and, you know, led the way and some of the greatest that have ever played the game. Um, you know, but they certainly like that, that element of that style. And rightfully so. I like it too. Lou, thank you. And uh, the way you talk, you maybe look forward to a, a role on TV at some point. I think that would work for you. No, I'll keep my fingers crossed. Yeah. Okay, Lou, thank you. Lou DeBrusque. Well, it didn't win a Stanley Cup. Well, it didn't win a Stanley Cup. Is there any more memorable goal than the first goal of Jordan Eberle at that end of the ice in this building? Tell me what that was like and tell me what this is like. I mean, it's, it's amazing to be a part of this, obviously, all the Oilers coming back. Um, you know, for me, my first game, um, I think every player here probably remembers their first NHL game. I was uh, lucky enough to have my family and friends there, and, and, you know, I tell the story all the time. I would have been just as happy to tip it in or, or bank it off me or whatever, but, um, you know, Sean Horkoff gives it to me quite a bit about looking him off on a two-on-one, but, um, you know, it was great how it worked out. So, Jordan, the new building is one thing. This town's a, this is a real hockey community, and you played in Regina. You know, understand what it's like to play in a pure hockey town. When you, when you talk to former teammates and guys around the NHL, what it likes to, what's it like to play in Edmonton? What can you tell them? 
Um, it, it is it's exactly what you said. It's a hockey town. Um, you know, you're going out for dinner, you're going out for lunch, you're meeting people that are season ticket holders, and you're talking to people um, about how much they love the game. And, and um, you know, I think a, a great example is that is Ryan Smith's last game. Um, just the fan support that they gave him, and, and to be a part of that was it was incredible. And that just sums up the fans here. Ladies and gentlemen, number 14, Jordan Eberle. They must think I need some protection from one tough guy. Uh, to another. I actually have not had a fight since grade five, so it has been uh, a long time as I'm joined by uh, George Larocque. And just continuing on the theme of uh, Louis DeBrusque and tough guys in this city, uh, how long did it take you to feel very comfortable as an Edmonton Oiler and an Edmontonian? You know what, I have to thank the coaching staff a lot because uh, Ron Lowe, Kevin Lowe, Craig McTavish, uh, they make me work really hard to be uh, more of a just guy that would play two, three minutes a game so we could play hard, like hard-nosed uh, Oilers hockey, four lines. And thanks to the coaching staff, I got to develop a bit more. And I remember when I got into the dressing room when I was a rookie, I went to Sparky, our trainer, and I said I wanted number 27. And uh, I was putting a lot of pressure on my shoulder, and uh, I don't know if I came up to even what uh, Dave has done to the city and to this team, but uh, it was an honor to wear the same number, uh, you know, in honor of him. Yeah, I must admit, uh, one of the neat moments uh, this morning is seeing you and Dave Semenko spend some time together. We'll, we'll talk about 2006 in a, in a few different uh, ways tonight, but when you look at these fans and you turn back the clock 10 years, uh, what do you remember about this building and that run? You know, um, truly we have the best fans in the world. Um, with Paul Laurier when he did the national anthems, you know when Paul Laurier did the national anthem, you guys picked it up, all the other teams copied us after, you guys started it. <laughs> And then, when we used the speedometers to measure how loud you guys were, you guys were still the best. And you know, it's, I remember in 2006, they were so loud, the dressing room was shaking, it was unreal. When we were jumping on the ice, we, we, we had shivers going down our spine because they were so loud, the energy was unreal. And it was so exciting that even though we didn't have home ice advantage, we couldn't wait for the first game at home to be in front of our fans. And truly Edmonton has the best fan in the NHL. You know, it's uh... I played in 14. Edmonton is the best team to play for. And a guy born in Montreal, Edmonton, I call it home now. This is home for me. I love you guys. You guys are amazing. George, I was, I was going to take the mic away from you, but I didn't think that'd be a great career move. Uh, what a way to stir up the crowd, and uh, thanks a lot, and I'm really glad that you're here for this. Yeah, thanks, Ian. Thanks for everything. Thank you, guys. Maybe one of the most important goals in Euler history wasn't scored in this rink. It was scored on Long Island at the Nassau Coliseum. Pat Hughes to Kevin McClellan. The Oilers win their first game of the 84 final. They slayed the demon that day, proving they could beat the New York Islanders. Pat, what do you tell your friends now about the goal, or what do you remember about this team and the team you played with? Well, that, you know, that was uh, our second uh, chance to, to get back at them from getting uh, um, beat four straight the year before. And, uh, you know, 
Puck goes in the corner, dig it out, flip it over to Kevin, and uh, he picked the corner, uh, which was unlike him. But uh, uh, one nothing, and uh, we held on. It was a great start. To, even though we lost the next night, we came back here and uh, handled them pretty well. Can you explain what it is to be an Oiler? Well, just look around. Um, look around at everybody that's here. I mean, it's a, it's a thing that, uh, you know, it's just you're proud to be an Oiler. Um, it's a great organization. Um, like they say, once an Oiler, always an Oiler. Uh, it, it's a, just a fabulous uh, thing to have. So when you, you live in Michigan now, when you tell your friends in Michigan you won the Stanley Cup and you played in Edmonton and it was at Rexall, then Northlands, what's your first memory? Well, certainly the cup. I mean, uh, the first cup here was uh, electric for the city, electric for the team. Uh, you know, the whole city shared in it, the fans, and it's just a great event. Ladies and gentlemen, number 16, Pat Hughes. We are uh, spending a lot of time tonight talking about last, which is appropriate, but uh, the first captain in the uh, Oilers' history in the NHL, Ron Chipperfield. What, uh, what was it like for you to be the, the first captain of a franchise like this? Well, it was certainly an amazing honor. Um, I certainly wasn't expected. I, uh, I came to camp with all the guys, and I, I think it may have been the last ca captain vote that was put forward and the players voted for for me which again uh, was quite a surprise and quite an honor. Now back then did each player just kind of have a piece of paper and, and give it to the coach to give it to Glenn Sather how did how did the process work because as you said it, it's kind of has sometimes it's changed for teams. Yeah that the hat went around um, I think it, that Glenn did it that way because it was the first year and as a new team uniting and People didn't know each other, so he thought he needed to get an idea who the, the, the people in the room wanted to represent them. And um, uh, very, very, very fortunate that my name came out. Probably the biggest honor I had in my entire career was to captain uh, the first Oilers team and this wonderful franchise. Well, I will say this, Ron, after you, there are so many great captains. What was it like to set the stage for the guys that followed in your footsteps and also wore the seat? Well, um, three of the captains that came after me, Wayne had already played one year in the WHA with us, and then Mark and Kevin came that first year, which they became the next uh, the captains further on. and. So uh, I had the, the joy to watch these three young guys who I knew would all become not only great players, outstanding people, and certainly captains uh, of a team and an organization someday. Ron, thanks for your time. Thanks, Gene. Not many brother combinations played for the Edmonton Oilers. Bob McAnally, Ted McAnally. Not only did they play for the Oilers, they played for the Oil Kings as junior players in the late 60s. Bob, to you first. Explain what being an Oiler means to you now and what it meant to you in the mid-70s when you played in the WHA. Well, it was a thrill to come and play professional hockey. That was a dream of a kid like me from Prince George, B.C. All of a sudden, I was in Edmonton playing with the Oilers, playing against Bobby Hull. Of course, Bobby Hull was my idol and what better memories of 
of Bobby Hull and playing against him than seeing him streaking up the left side, slapping that shot, and those are great. You weren't supposed to watch it, you were supposed to stop it. I was checking him. <laughs> but great memories, and I've continued to stay in Edmonton after hockey, and uh, we, we've got a strong Oiler Alumni Association just getting stronger with the new young guys coming through. What was it like to play with your brother? Well, we played junior hockey with the Oil Kings for three years, and we had somewhat of a reputation, but uh, it was good playing with them. Ted's a defenseman, I'm a left winger, and we were very, we're twins, and it was very, uh, it was a great experience playing pro hockey together. So, Ted, you can tell the truth. What was it like playing with your brother? It was great. We, we had played since, uh, you know, we were five years old, and you know, to come and play junior hockey with the Edmonton Oil Kings. And, and then I left and uh, played uh, three years in the National League with the California Seals. And uh, Gretz hasn't, didn't, at that time, hadn't brought his magic to California. And so the fans didn't have the passion that they do down there now. So when I had an opportunity to come back to Edmonton and uh, play in front of the, the Edmonton fans who have the passion, and then step on this ice the first time and the energy and the electricity that the fans give to you, what a thrill. And then to, of course, play with Bob. That was tremendous. Well, welcome back for the night. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob and Ted McAneely. I think uh, as soon as you see him, you think uh, 2006, and uh, Fernando George LaRock touched on that run. What, what kind of sticks out for you, especially as a kid who grew up here and watched some of the people you're sitting with tonight and then being one of them on the ice? Yeah, I think uh, when we all sat down, I looked at Lou, I think we uh, were in the wrong spot here. We got uh, pretty good company there with Gretzky, Messier, and Curry, and Anderson, and all those guys. It's uh, being a kid from Edmonton, it's a pretty special feeling for me to be a part of this. Well, even all those names you mentioned would have been impressed. 14 goals, five game winners, uh, game five. Overtime, shorthanded. Um, that run for you, uh, is there any way to kind of put words to how great it was for the team and how great it was for you? Uh, it was such an exciting time for the city. Uh, every time we stepped on the ice, this place was just electric and so loud. And as soon as the trainers would open the doors to go out to the to the benches, you could just hear, you know, hear the excitement and feel it. And you just got butterflies in your stomach. It was uh, a pretty special feeling for me. Fernando, and a lot of special goals. Uh, congratulations on a great career with you, Oli. Thanks, Gene. Ladies and gentlemen, Stanley Cup champion Craig Simpson. So you have lived the life in this building as a player, as a coach, and as a broadcaster. What does the place mean to you? Uh, it's a very special place, and it starts with uh, coming here as a 20-year-old, uh, getting traded. I, I want to, first and foremost, I've said this to Paul numerous times, but Paul, thank you for holding out and not wanting uh, to get a deal done. Uh, I, I got an opportunity to come here to Edmonton because Paul Coffey uh, and Paul and I have a good history together. The greatest defenseman in the NHL, 
but he gave me an opportunity to come to a team that I, uh, I admired as a fan, I admired as a player. Got an opportunity as a 20-year-old to come and play with Wayne Gretzky, who is my idol growing up. Uh, he was mine too, yeah. so. No, and, um, and the most important thing, uh, Glenn Sather said to me day one, you're gonna play with Mark Messier and Glenn Anderson. And uh, I said, oh, that's a great start. Uh, and I wanna thank Mark and Glenn were the, the best line mates, the best teammates, and uh, we, in front of fans like this, like tonight is a night that you look back on the past, but you also respect what you've done uh, as a group. 150 plus players here have all had different moments on this ice. Uh, some of us have been able to win. Fernando and the group in 2006 came so close, but it's about performing for these fans, and this is probably the most incredible time. And I think the bigger statement for you, Craig, is you liked the place so much you stayed. You know what? Uh, Edmonton is home. I love being an Edmontonian. Yep. Uh, but I, I, I will say that uh, being a part of a group that uh, I, I heard Billy Ranford talk before about the ups and downs of going through a playoff series. And when you win together, you get an opportunity to play, uh, you know, so many important games. And as a group, I look across at Marty McSorley, who's won here too. Uh, as a group, we've been able to fight together and win together, and that's the most important thing. And I want to thank every fan here in Edmonton for being a part of this, this arena. Ladies and gentlemen, number 18, Craig Simpson. Well, as uh, these players could attest to, you build a, a franchise through uh, free agency, through the draft, through trades with Indianapolis. And sometimes you get guys from other teams who step in and think, you know, how will I fit? How will they accept me? How were you accepted by the Oilers? Well, you know, I, I came here from Pittsburgh where I think that the veterans weren't necessarily great to the rookies. There was almost there was concern about whether they were going to keep their jobs. And I walked into a locker room that is daunting because they'd won two Stanley Cups and it was full of great, great players. But I very, very quickly found out that they were greater people that the sense of community, the sense of family in that locker room was absolutely phenomenal. You know, right away, Wayne says, welcome to the team. Mark Messier said, you're not staying at the hotel, you're staying at my house. Koff says, if you need a car, I've got a car for you to drive till you get settled. And guys like Semenko and Randy Gregg and Lee Fogelin, the strength of it, and even guys like Ace Bailey and Al Hamilton, the older guys that were still around and had a great influence. And Teddy Green was so good to me. I, it was a great environment for a young player to learn how to win, to, to learn how to compete, and have such a love for the game. Craig Simpson just alluded to you know winning a Stanley Cup. You won two, 1987. Some of the younger fans may not remember, but as you win, you search out people that you know and you love. And you went looking for your father. Just walk us through when you decided to do that and what it was like to search him out and find him. Well, you know, the Oiler locker room has been so family friendly. The fathers, the kids, everybody was always so welcome around the hockey team, and they were really we're proud of that scenario and my dad was too nervous to watch the games in the stands so he'd walk around this building underneath the stands so when we won and they opened the door and rolled out the carpet and I'm almost lost because we you win a Stanley Cup and it's just bigger than life and there's my dad and 
when he walked out on the ice, I just gave him a great big hug and said, we got our name on the Stanley Cup. So it was just, it was just an extension of the, of the team. Great moment, great story, Marty. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you, G. So the ups and downs of the National Hockey League. Ron Chipperfield, we were, it was great to hear him, the captain of the Oilers, when they joined the National Hockey League, got traded that season to, to Quebec for a goaltender. Anybody you know? <laughs> Best day of my life, John. Best day of my life. Ladies and gentlemen, Ron Lowe. It was really funny because Chipper and I played on the same team in Manitoba. And when he got traded to where I was coming from, I felt for him, but felt really good for me. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's give and take. So you, you, that first year you came here, the team made the playoffs, lost in the first round of the Flyers. I think Kenny Lindsman scored the winning goal for the Flyers that night in game three here. But tell, tell us what it meant to be a player early in the Coliseum and for the Oilers in the NHL. And then to go to become a coach. How, how, how much different was it? The playing, I wasn't good enough to contribute to the Stanley Cups. Uh, sorry, they had Fierzy, Moger, they had Billy Ranford. There was a whole bunch of guys that were a whole bunch better than me. And that was good, because we wouldn't have won if I was playing. But <laughs> I want to tell you, I had lots to do with all of them, and they were the neatest bunch of guys. Uh, the, the goaltending that they've had here has been so good. And the people that got to watch the great players also got to watch some great goaltenders. And to me, that was one of the big things that, one of the reasons that this group won every year, because at some points in time, the defensive game lapsed a wee bit. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Once in a while. But their goaltending was phenomenal. So the, the other thing we had, I think we have to talk about, there was a rite of spring in the 90s when you were the coach of playing the Dallas Stars in the first round of the playoffs, or one of those rounds of the playoffs, and the Todd Marchant goal in game seven in reunion. You know what? The thing I remember most about that whole series was game four here, I think, no, game five. We're down 3-1, and we're down 3-1 in the game. And the place was emptying out late 10 minutes into the third. They said it was a U-turn on Capilano. Because <laughs> all of a sudden we scored, we scored, and we scored again. And then Bucky gets the overtime winner. This whole place was full at the end of the night again. And I'll never forget that, and I appreciate everybody that came back. Ladies and gentlemen, player, coach, Ron Lowe. Thanks, John. Well, lots of talk about the past and uh, talk about present and futures. I'm joined by Taylor Hall and... Uh... How'd you feel about that game? It was more than a relief than anything. Um, the guys really wanted to play well for the last game here. Um, with everyone here, uh, all the legends in town, it was a really fun night. What was the atmosphere like with the fans and the stick salute at the end and the standing ovation and just how that felt to kind of send your team off to the end of the season and to the end of this building? Yeah, it was amazing. Right off the bat in warm-up, you could tell there was electricity in the building. 
Um, even just walking out here now, everyone's still in their seats. Everyone's glued in. It's, um, it's amazing. That's what Edmonton's all about. And uh, getting here six years ago, getting here six years ago and, and seeing what this town, you know, how much they love hockey, uh, playing in an arena where all of these great players have played, uh, it's been a fun journey. And as we look back, I look forward to Roger's place. You had a tour there, was that yesterday? Two days ago. I wonder what, what it's like to know that you're leaving a great building with lots of history and that you can move forward and make your own history there. It's exciting. Um, this was a great arena for, uh, you know, for all of us here. Like I said, to play in a, in a building that has so much history and, and has a legacy like that, um, it's great. But I think everyone's excited for the new building. Uh, there's going to be so many things that we can bring to that building, all the history uh, of our organization. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Taylor, thank you. Enjoy the offseason. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the coach of the Edmonton Oilers, Todd McClellan. Before we talk about you and your team in this city, tell us about what it was like to come here as a visiting coach. 2006, you were on the bench for the Red Wings, Steve Eiserman's last game in the National Hockey League. You were an assistant coach for the Red Wings that the Oilers beat in the first round to go all the way to the Stanley Cup final that year. What was it like in this building? It was loud, it was exciting, uh, the building was shaking, and we were disappointed. Edmonton did one hell of a job, and that's what we're hoping to get to eventually. So the game's been over for about an hour, and if I would have told you this summer before you got the job, when we're going to close the building, we're going to have 18,000 people sitting around for an hour, an hour and a half, just sitting, listening to people tell stories about this great franchise, what would you have told me? I actually would have believed it. Um, you know, being from Western Canada, I know what it's like here in Edmonton and, and knew what to expect coming in. This is very humbling uh, when you look around at the players that have come back and, and returned to their home, Edmonton, and honored the Oilers, uh, the different generations. And, and uh, I said to the media tonight, their presence, just their presence alone, held us accountable tonight, as well as the 18,000 people that show, ev show up every night. So we appreciate it. Well, you're an oiler now. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd McClellan. <laughs> it's just waiting. Let's stop it before he starts crying, okay? Because we've seen that before. Uh, we've seen tears of joy, tears of sadness, but more tears of joy because you came back to Edmonton. Uh, I mean, what do you think of that response? Does it ever kind of go, wow, that's for me? Yeah, well, it's, um, <laughs> it's very humbling. Um, in many different occasions that it's occurred along my journey, uh, being a part of the Edmonton Oilers organization, I want to start by saying this is first class 
right from Daryl Cates to uh, Kevin Lowe and and uh, Bob Nicholson and orchestrating all this. It's it's uh, it's a great night for not only myself, my family, but all these guys here. And uh, hopefully, it uh, you'll remember these forever for sure. Well, we've discussed 2006 uh, a number of times. I, I want to talk about a memory. Uh, not, I think you were just behind me, was it not? When you took the the puck in the teeth from Chris Pronger, you you go away, you come back, and you set up the OT winner by Sean Hawkup. What what was that like? Did you ever consider not coming back? And I'm guessing the answer was no. Well, I was very fortunate to have great trainers for sure to uh, help out on that front. Um, I didn't have nerve exposure, so that. Uh, I didn't have to go to the hospital for all that dental work, but uh, um, the story behind it all is those, those doors were closed uh, between the, the, um, the benches on the way down, and I was so upset and mad, I pushed those doors open, and there was an usherette lady in behind there, I ended up hearing that she broke her wrist. <laughs> so a couple days later, we ended up obviously winning that hockey game, uh, Sean Horkoff, uh, a double overtime winner. Sorry, Todd. Um, but I wanted to make sure that she got her cast autograph, so I got that all taken care of. <laughs> that actually seems like a fair trade. You know, broken wrist signature from Ryan Smith. Um, you, you broke the wrist, but I also saw you with a broken heart. Uh, I, I've seen lots of different athletes. Game seven, Carolina, you, you guys, Fernando talked about it, George talked about it. You guys gave everything you could, and I saw you walk off the ice in tears. Can you just give us an idea how badly you wanted that Stanley Cup for you, for these fans, for this city and franchise? Well, the city in itself speaks for how much they support the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, going that, that full distance and coming up short, uh, it's so, you know, it's a tough pill to swallow. I don't live in regret. There's a loss of not winning the Stanley Cup. But at the end of the day, we went as far as we could, and we did as best as we could, and it was a journey that I'll never forget. Brian, thank you, and enjoy the night. Thank you. Thank you, the fans. You're awesome. Long before the banners of Wayne and Yari and Grant and Glenn went up, went the first banner, and the number three of Al Hamilton of the WHA Edmonton Oilers. When he came out of junior hockey, he was known as Bobby Orr of the West, if I'm not correct. I think that's the right story, out of Winnipeg. And in many ways, the franchise, the Oiler franchise then, was on the back of Al Hamilton, some of the great players of the WHA. There would be no NHL team without guys like Al Hamilton here in the WHA. What does that make you feel, Al? Well, I'm quite, when I first heard about the WHA forming, I wasn't real excited about, uh, I was excited about Edmonton getting a team, but I wasn't excited about coming back because I thought this is another one of Bill Hunter's schemes. <laughs> But uh, it turned out to be a wonderful experience. I got to, to play the seven years in the WHA and then played the first year with the Oilers and played with great players like Gretz and Mess and, and Kevin and so, uh, and, and see the start of it. Edmonton has been home for me for, for all these years and uh, it's a great, great city. And, and these kids, when they learn now what winning is about in this town, 
they'll know what love is. So tell us that first year, and you saw 99 on the ice as a teenager. You're the old vet. Did you know right away? Well, yeah, it wasn't too hard to tell. I'll tell you one little story. We, Wayne, Wayne had, uh, in the first year of the NHL, Wayne had seven assists in a game, and I passed him the puck, and he mesmerized everybody on the ice and drew them all over to one side, and, including their goaltender, and slid it to me. If I put it in the net, it's a, it's a record. I missed the net by 15 feet. <laughs> Sorry, Gretz. Ladies and gentlemen, number three, Al Hamilton. Well, John, uh, I think anybody who's... Uh... Anybody who's ever worn the Oiler jersey feels uh, a great sense of pride. But, uh, Grant, does it mean even a little bit more considering you grew up uh, right in the Edmonton area and you were growing up here watching the Oilers and then one day being one? I think that's a special time. I mean, I got the opportunity to watch a lot of these guys play in the WHA and the old Edmonton Gardens. So to see them play there and want to be an Oiler as a kid and to be able to do it at home, it's a great deal. I was walking over here tonight and I was thinking about uh, some of the things you said over the, the years that you were here. And Now, did, did Glenn make you run the stairs here? All of them, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what was the point he was trying to prove? Uh, we were having a little discussion about shape and training camp, yeah. so... <laughs> Apparently round's not a shape. <laughs> <laughs> right. Those are the days where you sort of came to camp, and especially for a goalie. They're really, I mean, were you expected to do a lot of weights and running and biking in the offseason? Uh, you were probably expected to, but I always wanted to play myself into shape. So <laughs> I mean, we've, we had that debate over a few years. I was, uh, I was looking through the stats. In one year, you had 14 assists, and you were a goaltender. Uh, you had a, a run-and-gun offense. Uh, what was it like to be that last line of defense and making those big saves, whether the score was 6-4 or 7-5, making sure the other team didn't get one closer? You know what? We had such a great group of guys that, yeah, we won a lot of games, 7-3, 7-4, but if they had to bear down and play good defense, we could win one nothing also. So I think we had a reputation as a run-and-gun team, but if you looked at our record come playoff time, we could win the close games. Yeah, biggest win was a one nothing to get the franchise off and running. Grant, thank you. Pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Gene. So I was going to mention the 14 assists for Grant as well, simply because the opposition would shoot the puck, Grant would stop it, put it behind the net and give it to Paul, and then Paul would skate all the way up the ice and score. It was an easy thing to do, right? Caught 49 goals one year. Well, it wasn't easy, but the easiest part was to uh, get the puck from Grant, skate up and give it to Wayne, Mark, Yari, or Glenn. That's what a smart defenseman does, gives it to good forwards. and. Uh, we had plenty of them, and it made it a lot easier. What do you remember about this building, and what do you remember about these people? I just remember this town being, you know, I came here as an 18, 19-year-old with Mark and Wayne and Yari, and, and Fierzy came the next year and Glenn, but it, it was a town of character. I mean, you can talk all you want about this team having Gretzky, Messi, Anderson, Curry, and guys like that, but, you know, what made this team champions were the role players, the Semenkos, the Hunters, the McClellans, the McSorleys. You know, Dave, uh, Dave Lumley, guys like that that allowed us to have fun and go out and play the way we did, and that's why we were champions.
Ladies and gentlemen, number seven, Hall of Famer, Paul Coffey. Well, John, we had just talked to Grant Fuhrer about uh, 14 assists in a season. Now, was there more to the story about Grant and assists? Yeah, there's a lot more to, um, especially climbing the stairs uh, with the uh, big sweat bag on and running up. We were watching him there a couple of times. But the real key thing was uh, it was a, a battle for who was going to get the most points that year between Semenk and Fierzy on, on, on the assist list because Semenk had the score. <laughs> Well, is Dave not? Where's Dave? Is he far enough? Okay, he's. I think I can outrun him. Uh, what you know, the camaraderie. You, you, here you are joking with Grant. You're joking with Dave, and the decades go by. But does it feel like it's still, you know, the '80s when it comes to just how tight knit group you guys are and still are after all these decades? Well, the threshold over there. Once you walk through those doors, there's a. You better have a rhinoceros skin because uh, there's a lot of darts that were thrown around and Koff was very good at it. So uh, he could throw with the best of them and uh, the comments that came out of it, that, that's what made our, our team so tight and so uh, close because we could say and do anything and once we were a team through that, uh, through that path right there, it, uh, everything, any problems outside of the rink, they all disappeared and uh, we played for each other in the town of Edmonton. And I think one thing you did better than maybe anyone all time, certainly during your era, is you would go to that net, and the net, it didn't come off as easy as it does now. Uh, how brave did you have to be knowing that if it didn't work out right, it was you and a post and a crossbar? Well, yeah, the, the post used to have at least six inches, and, uh, you know, try to get them up was very difficult, and thank God they changed that rule along with a bunch of other ones for the Oilers. The four and four was one of them, uh, but... Driving the net was very dangerous, but uh, if you try to do that in today's game, you've got to be really careful and uh, try to avoid the goalies as much as possible. But uh, one of the fierce uh, uh, goalie that I faced was uh, Billy Smith. He was pretty wicked with his stick, <laughs> whipping it around the post, so you have to be aware of him once in a while, too. Yeah, he could uh, handle the stick just like you and so many of these other players could. Uh, Glenn, thanks, and good to see you again. Great, thanks, Shane. Ladies and gentlemen, John Shannon, Gene Principe, great job. Thank you very much, and thank you, gentlemen. Wonderful. When you talk about announcers, they're so professional at what they do. I think over the years, our milestones are often marked by these iconic calls by sports announcers. They're actually vital to the enjoyment of the game, and even casual fans will remember familiar calls like, down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier. That was my Howard Cosell. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here every Tuesday. And then, the Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant. That was baseball. 51. Most of you weren't born. Golf gave us, oh, wow. Have you ever seen anything like that in your life? And then hockey provided five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. But for Edmonton Oilers fans, the most iconic call of them all came at the end of the deciding game in the 1984 Stanley Cup when the upstart Oilers in their fifth year in the NHL achieved the incredible. Watch the screen. There's a new punch on the block in the National Hockey League. The Edmonton Oilers have won the Stanley Cup.
for Edmonton Oilers fans, the most iconic call was that one right there. Now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the author of that call, the Dean of NHL Broadcasters, Mr. Bob Cole. Come on out, Bob. Did I say So, Bob, tell us why and how the new bunch on the block came about. I'm not quite sure, John, but uh, I, I kind of fell in love with this group, these young Oilers in uh, 83, when they got all the way to the Stanley Cup final in Long Island. It was a dynasty for the Islanders, and they lost in four games. And I remember walking out with, with Wayne and Glenn and Paul and all the guys, and everybody was just in silence, just walking and bruised and tired and worn out. And then the next year, I lived through it and I really fell in love with this team. They made me feel so comfortable. And we, we got together again, as everybody knows, the next year in 84, and they won their first Stanley Cup. The first of four here in this old building, which we're saying goodbye to tonight, and uh, it, it just happened. A new bunch on the block. Sometimes you're wrong, but I was right. New bunch. Indeed. And what about this man? Uh, great friendships with many announcers over the years. I remember when you first met Danny Gallivan, but your time with Bob, even that closing game at Madison Square Garden in 1999, the hug yeah. in the hallway, and what Bob means to you in this franchise. Well, first of all, I want to thank everyone for a wonderful night. Um, the Oilers and uh, all the players who came back, and of course the fans. I, I, Mark and I were talking, I don't think there's any other city where the fans would still be sitting here. Uh, my gosh, we wish we could get out there and play for them, but we're, we can't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> one, one quick question. When you, when you signed your 21-year contract, I think it was in one of the corners on a card table here when you were in the WHA, did you ever imagine that this would occur? Uh, two people said it would happen, Glenn Sather, my dad, and Vic Ma. Those three people said, we're going to win Stanley Cups in Edmonton. Mark Messier and Kevin Lowe and Paul Coffey and to me, the greatest goalie ever lived, Grant Fuhr and Glenn Anderson. Um, but, but back to Mr. Cole, uh, my two favorite moments is the new kids on the block and when he said to Team Canada, that's got to be enough. <laughs> that was the most joyous time for me. But, you know, we grew up as fans. Mark was sitting here telling me today they used to take the bus to watch Rusty Patino play. We're kids, too, with dreams, and everybody should have their dreams. We grew up watching Danny Gallivan and Dick Irvin and Foster Hewitt and Mr. Cole. I try to call him every couple of weeks to see how he's doing. Sometimes the phone calls don't get through to Newfoundland, but all in all, uh, the greatest thing about hockey is the people you meet. 
my life, uh, the people I've met, my family, my wife, my kids, the friendships I have, our memories, it's nothing like it. It's the greatest game in the world. Mark, uh, just continuing on the theme of uh, Mr. Cole, the Hockey Hall of Famer, somewhere you're certainly familiar with. Are, are there certain, Wayne just talked about certain calls, were there, um, now it's a moose call we're getting, I guess, hey? Were there specific calls, or just was it something special to know that Bob Cole would have called a, a Stanley Cup winning or a playoff winning series uh, goal? You knew you're in the big leagues. You knew you're in the moment. You knew that uh, you're at the end of the line and playing for the championship when Bob was around. It was uh, it was a special moment, and uh, we'll never forget. Obviously, uh, for all the obvious reasons, winning the Stanley Cup. But then you put all the people that make magic happen and bring it to the people there, and nobody did it better than Bob. And still continues to do it as you did tonight, Bob. What a what a great call you had of the uh, kind of the, the the new new kids. Uh, on the on the block when it comes to the current uh, Edmonton Oilers for you Wayne just described some of the things it took to be successful can you kind of maybe continue on that theme or add to that when it came to the the group the family the dynasty that was uh, built in this uh, you know northern city with blue collar people uh, blue collar hockey players and then some some gems as well well i think it's it's very simple no individual can win a championship on his own i mean it's just that simple you need a lot of support you need a lot of people thinking the same way uh all in alignment uh, you need the heart and the dedication and the character to uh, to make it happen and uh you know, we realize that, uh, like I said today at City Hall, when you win, the stage is big enough for everybody. You got to make everybody feel that their contributions are just as important as the next guys, no matter whether it's 30 minutes a game or two minutes a game. Everybody's got to feel that they're important. If they don't bring their best every game, you have zero chance of winning there. And we were able to convince everybody that came here that they were important and we needed you. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Cole, Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier. Let's hear it for John Shannon, Gene Principe, and Bob Cole. You know, folks, I think it's no secret. Downplay it, all of us, all of us in the building. That this is a city of firsts in the hockey world. We do things in an extraordinary manner. The first outdoor game. Everybody's talking all the outdoor games now, but there was the Heritage Classic, and we played it in like 40 below weather. It was fantastic, and every Edmonton fan stayed till the bitter end because they were frozen to the seats. But we did a lot of first. That's the first time an Edmonton Symphony Orchestra has ever played on the ice. I'll guarantee you that. But I'm about to introduce a guy that has a lot of firsts in front of his name, and I want you to welcome him. It's a great privilege to introduce him. His contributions to this community, to the game of hockey, are literally impossible to include in a brief introduction. He was the first Oilers draft pick. He played on five Stanley Cups, six if you count the Oilers farm team in New York. He pioneered the Oilers players' commitment to the community when he chaired the Christmas Bureau campaign, the most incredible campaign, and it continues to this day. He was a head coach of the Oilers, the general manager of the Oilers, was involved many times on the international hockey stage and is now the vice chairman of the Oilers Entertainment Group. Please join me in welcoming Kevin Lowe.
Thank you, Bill. And thank you for everyone for sticking around. It's made us feel special. It's my honour on behalf of the Oilers Entertainment Group to welcome everyone here to Rexall Place, or as many of you remember it throughout the years, Northlands Coliseum. A big thank you to Mr. Bob Nicholson for all your support and for giving me the honour of speaking on behalf of the organization tonight. Let's give a big round of applause for the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra. So great to have them here. And I want to begin by thanking Daryl Cates for his support of all our farewell season activities. We could not have done it without his commitment to making this the best possible season and event in terms of, this, in terms of the last season here at Rexall Place. I also want to thank a humble thanks to my fellow Oilers alumni. Many have traveled a great distance, some from Europe and from all over North America. We have a saying, once an oiler, always an oiler. And you guys have made it special. Thank you to the Northlands, all the great staff over the many years. You helped bring this building to life, game in, game out, and you made it a great, great experience for the players and for the fans. Thank you, Northlands. And a special thanks to our amazing Oilers staff, now Oilers Entertainment Group, past and present. Your passion, commitment, and love of the team has always been the foundation and the success of this organization. Thank you. And most importantly, last but not least, thank you to the fans. You showed time and again, again this afternoon at Churchill Square and here tonight, that you're the greatest fans in all of hockey. And you've made us special all these years for us. There is some sadness saying goodbye to what's been our home for 42 years but we're tremendously excited about the future and Rogers Place and our new downtown arena. But it's bittersweet, a bittersweet night for all of us who played here and made so many great friendships and made so many memories over the years. So without further ado, it's now my pr privilege to call upon our banner honorees to go over and uh, get in position to receive this special banner commemorating the 42-year history of the Oilers in Rexall Place. Wayne, Mark, Al, Grant, Yari, Paul, and Andy. 
We're live at Rexall Place as the Oilers have played their final game here tonight, beating the Vancouver Canucks 6-2. And now the players who have had their numbers retired by the franchise walking to the and here to assist to transfer the banner are two longtime Northlands employees. End of the rink here, and the banners of the retired players are going to be brought down from the rafters. And after spending 18 years on Northland's ice crew, and now his 31st year with Northland's, please say hello to George Rosalanchuk. And of course, we can't say goodbye to this building without bringing out one last individual. Ladies and gentlemen, Joey Moss. Rob Brown and Rob Brown and Reed Wilkins with you. Love they showed that shot of Joey Moss singing <laughs> in 2006 during the Lorio anthem, and then cut to Joey Moss today singing it live. Same amount of energy then and now. Well, it's unbelievable. We sit in the press box, and we are a long ways from ice level, and you can hear Joey Moss when he sings the national anthem. It's funny right now that he's he's out there hugging all the guys that uh, have had their numbers retired here in, in Edmonton. I would not be surprised if we see his his name up there one day. So first banner coming down here is the banner commemorating this season. The Oilers final one at Rexall Place. Don't forget, of course, still one more game for the current edition of the Oilers. That'll be on Saturday night in Vancouver. In terms of this this season on home ice, Rob, it was an interesting one. They had that six-game winning streak where they won. They swept the five-game homestand. And for most of the season, they were four, five, six games above 500 on home ice. Um, coming into tonight, they had a bit of a rough spell, 3-10-1 and one in their last 14 at home. They do, they do win tonight, but for a while, they were a team really asserting themselves uh, at home and struggling on the road kind of over the last third of the season that flipped around a little bit. They became a team that struggled to find to find a way to score goals on home ice. A yeah. number of shutouts on home ice, they, they weren't, their power play uh, left them. They were getting some great goaltending efforts that were wasted. And you're right, if you want to be a playoff team, you've got to be good on home ice and the others weren't good enough. Last year, it'll be something they're going to want to correct going into next year. Hamilton, Gretzky, Curry, Fewer, Coffey, Messier, Anderson, and Rod Phillips all here tonight. Their banners are hanging from the rafters. Glenn Sather, obviously he was honored back in December, not in attendance uh, this evening. So the banners are coming down as we wrap up the Oilers' final home game at Rexall Place. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. We will take a break.